Citizen Smith, Keith Allen, Lily Allen, Hugh Grant, Michael Jackson. Your boys took a hell of a beating on Saturday. This is a QPR Open All Hours history pod. We have the monkey off our back. Right, that's that one done. I'm Paul Finney. I'm joined tonight by three QPR fans, one lucky enough to wear the blue and white iconic shirt with dignity and pride, which is Mark Burchin. Thanks for joining us, Mark. I appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure. And you were there Saturday as well? Yeah, I was, yeah. I landed Friday night uh, back from Phoenix and then, man, that's the only thing I've probably missed is going cute. Oh, I managed to take my boy and it's it's great because my dad used to take me and I'll take my boy there and it was just a great day. Passing on the love? Yeah, passing on the disease, really. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with love, you get some highs. Like, it's more of a genetic disease you get passed down that you have to suffer with with a few highs. Yeah. <laughs> Right, that's my introduction out the window. Um, <laughs> joined as well by Ian McCulloch, um, without the bunny men. I'm sure you've had that all your life, haven't you? I mean, that must be the most boring joke ever, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's a journalist? Welcome, Ian. You, Last Pete. time you came on, you were living in Oz, and you've moved back. No, the last time I was on, I've moved back from Oz. Have you? The first time I was on, I was that pub sold off a strong cider. This has gone brilliantly. <laughs> Anyone who's still left listening, uh, Chris Charles, BT Sport. Hello. The main doing? man. I tell you what, you had some fun on Saturday, boy, didn't you? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I, I spent I spent Saturday with Chris and he was wobbling on the way home. Yeah, that's I mean, 30 years worth of drinking though had to be done in a short space of time before I could get back. So I was drinking like a teenager. And but you, I don't think I disgraced myself, did I? Did I? <laughs> anyway, welcome to the podcast. As I said, right. So I'm going to start with uh, funny enough, Chris. I'm going to start with you. Um, what was your expectation for the match during the match, and how did you feel after the match? Right, well, expectation before the match was damage limitation, really. Having gone out there, seen 6-0, 4-0, I mean, I was hoping, as I said on the podcast last week, I'd have taken, if someone had offered one all, I'd have bitten your hand off, to be honest, because it was just a case of stopping the rot. So that was before, but I had a, you know, I had a funny feeling on the, I was on the way in, and I thought, you know, we could do this, and I had, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm psychic, but I also had a bad feeling, Blackburn and Preston, I don't know, just you could tell by the atmosphere, fans weren't up for it. But this time, I don't know, everyone seemed, you know, everyone seemed up for it. Everyone seemed to put on a united front, which hasn't been at QPR for a while for one reason and another. And I don't know, Christ almighty. I mean, during the match, I spent most of it either with my head in my hands or like just on top of my head like this. It was like the most exciting and the most horrifying game I've ever been to. Well, then missing a penalty after five minutes. If yeah. you can't get up for it then, then yeah. I think that worked for us, yeah. really. No, it did, yeah. I mean, that sort of, that sort of kick-started it, didn't it, really? But... I mean, we could have quite easily lost that game ten six, I reckon. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> so, but, but that makes after, it even sweeter, though. When you win games and you don't deserve to, it's even better. And I think we were due a bit of luck, to be honest. I, I, I mean, despite having Lee Mason playing for uh, playing for them, I should say, and, and doing his level best to I give him as much as he could. I don't think he had a bad game as a ref. Really? Well, I think both penalties are penalties. The first yeah, one? Was it? Yeah, but he's grabbed him two hands. Yeah, I wasn't I sure about the second give one. I wasn't second sure one's actually him kicked him in the head. But the keys down, though. He, he still he kicked him. He's still not got the ball and kicked him in the head. If that so, happened in the middle of the park, he wouldn't have moved. Oh, 100% it would have. 100%. If you kick someone in the head, it's a free kick. But the mad thing was, in all my years of watching football, I've never seen two penalties given and not one person in the stadium would appeal for it. 
Yeah, not, the, none of their players put their hands up for any of the high Not with the free kick, because they're not looking at that. But the, the other one, they appeal for it. it was, none of the Fulham fans went up saying, oh, it was an obvious penalty. Yeah, but when the, was, when, the player, well, when the players appeal for it, it's more of a penalty when the fans mm. appeal for it. And if you look at every Fulham player around it, they sort of appeal for it. It's a penalty. I, I looked it back on the telly. He's, he's kicked him in the head, in the box. But first of all, That's he even better. He, he, <laughs> yeah. first of all, he shouldn't have had that. Five, where that five minutes came from, I've got no idea. Well, I mean, there was no. Injured. Smithy's got injured, didn't yeah. he? Not for a massive amount of time. I didn't see. I mean, again, I'm looking at through QPR glasses, obviously. Well, you go thirty seconds a sub. Yeah, there was at least four or five. Yeah, subs made. okay. 30, I mean, thirty seconds a goal. Yeah. What, what made me laugh is seriously though, the clappers. I just don't get it. I exp- you know, you do the clappers. I mean, maybe it's a big thing in America. I don't know, but grown men were clappers. Seriously, it's it's about it wasn't that like it's supposed to be their big derby. It's like supposed to be, they did a whole thing on their website. I don't know if you've seen it for the for the match. They, they put this whole video together, of all the montage of all the time they've stuffed us. And, yeah, well that would have been all, too difficult. Wouldn't yeah, exactly, it? That was hours. <laughs> yeah. that was and, and, you got bored of it. Yeah. And um, they, they do like, and you think it's like supposed to be like, and you get in there, and there was. There's no passion from them lot. There was no, there was nothing. Whereas our lot, in all fairness, were amazing. I thought. That, I mean, did, I suppose you might have been recognised on Saturday a few times, Birch. A few times I had a cap on, so I kept like, kept out the way a bit. Well, what did you think? The what, fans, of the fans. Yeah, excellent. Normally, that you get to keep your away fans. I think never a problem. Normally at home, they do get a little bit quiet and and wait to be entertained. I think that's got to do with as a fan. I I don't know if you say it, I prefer it in the championship. I don't like being in the Premier League as a fan. I get more enjoyment to see real QPR fans at the ground in True, the Championship yeah. without all the razzmatazz of the Prem and this and that and looking at the support. And the hammerings. And I, sp- I spoke to my other mates, a Newcastle fan, and they're saying they they enjoy it more in the Championship. Not because it's not the winning, it's just it's more real. Like when mm. you're in the Premier League, it's a little bit false. You get the ticket prices go up, foreign fans come in. And I think that's what Fulham struggled with. That if you walk into the ground, then around the ground, there's so many foreign fans there yeah. that it's hard to get an atmosphere. Because yeah. whether they're fans or supporters or not, they're not true diehard fans. And I think that's why it's always when you go a big following away from home, the atmosphere is always better because it's people that actually do really want to be there. Yeah, but in I know. club, that's very rarely now a football club in any level where the home support is no unbelievably passionate. No, away from home it's a different story yeah, yeah there's and, a few like, give or take Palace is really good at home when, when they're at home Stoke's good at home as a as a home probably not this season if you ask them but normally generally QPR I think when I've gone down there they've been a, a crowd that want to be entertained and they're waiting for it to happen instead of making it the atmosphere and, and mm. getting it going and because we've taken a lot of punches in the last few years let's mm. not get wrong and been a bit disheartened but Hopefully. It's also because the football, I mean, like you said, especially, I mean, I, I think, like I said, every, all the fans are up for it anyway, but first uh, first five minutes penalty miss is going to get you going. And I think, like, the last time we played, there was, a, there was some sort of injustice uh, from, the, from the ref and that got the, the fans going. Rob but Stein, you, I think. Stein, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rob, my mate Rob Stein. Yeah. I, think, I, I, I don't know if it was injustice or we deserved to be sent off, but it seemed harsh at the time. Yeah, but what I mean, yeah. but the thing as well as at home is you've got, you've got the lot in the queue block who obviously, you know, like singing for most of the match. But then other people who might be singing are just scattered around different parts of the ground. Whereas at Fulham or wherever else, you've got everyone's all in as one. Um, 
And it just made a nice change not to be two or three down by half time as well. So. Yeah, I, I think I think I know what you're saying about. So I don't even think I'm not correcting you. I don't, I don't think it's foreign fans. Their fans are manufactured away from, and, and any, all they knew all they knew is like the Xbox. Whereas any our ground fans, that has a neutral stand is not got no place in. Well, they're, they're, they're trying. I mean, there was there was a case of like. I mean, listen, our lot was superb on Saturday. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say, anything, but I took a photograph during the match and I put it on Twitter, and there's Fulham fans, which I didn't realise at the time until I took the photograph, looked at it on Sunday. One was reading a newspaper. You know, he's just watching the, we're watching the game and he's yeah. reading the news. You know, and <laughs> There's that's been a, a lot of QBR games I'd rather read. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably clever. But what newspaper was it? I have no idea. Possibly the Telegraph. Telegraph. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the, th- the, th- the thing is, I, I thought defensively we were very shaky Saturday. I mean, what did you think, Ian? Defensively? Who, 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 well, to be honest, I thought it was more than midfield to start with. Really. Okay. Oh, the, the, their two best players are Parker and Kearney and they managed to come off. For the last half hour, it weren't there anymore, and the uh, one guy in particular really starts to grow into the game. And mm, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Grant Hall's had a, I think he's better on Saturday, but I think he's had a, he's had a difficult season. I mean, the Cardiff game up there, he got bailed out twice by by Bidwell, really kind of, you know, covered his ass really. And I just think I don't know, he's a young fella, you're going to make mistakes, but I don't know, I'd be tempted maybe to. Put Lynch in the middle, but what about Corker? Corker was sort of doing his yeah. wand- wandering minstrel act, wasn't mm. he? Just, um, I mean, I know when he was at Liverpool, I think they played him three times, and each time I think was uh, an emergency centre yeah. forward. So maybe he's our, our Paul Warhurst. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we're playing he him well in the, the wrong line, position. didn't he? So. He yeah. did, yeah. No, he, yeah, no, he, he, fine. But I mean, a few people were talking about that and and, and saying, you know, like that, that sort of Henry had to cover for him, and I don't think Henry did that bad on, on Saturday. I mean, he comes in for a lot of grief, but. He, I wouldn't have him in the starting eleven if there's other options available. I presume Ariel Boris Yock, whatever his name was, was injured because he Jordan Cousins. Injured. So I like Cousins. That's his, that's his best position. Yeah, in centre midfield. He's a number eight. He's box a box to box. To box. So yeah, he's yeah. quite energy. He, you know, he's very what we didn't have on Saturday. Yeah, but can but can as a club team an effort we could, can we build it? I mean, you just said when you, you see a penalty the first five minutes. I mean, do these games change managers' careers? Oh, I hundred percent. I, I think Saturday because. You, it was a good atmosphere at the game, but there was an there was an air where it could turn if we don't start well, and we went one nil down, maybe two nil down. There was, I wouldn't have been surprised if it did turn with the supporters mm. just mm. chatting to him. He, he had to win that. Everything that happened this week, they had to win. That and game. I think I like Jimmy as a person, and but you couldn't have got a better result than mm. when we needed it, and it needed it there because it could have turned. With the international weekend, you never know all this mm. other stuff. It would have all built up to Reading at home, and then there's massive pressure there. But to win that game 2 1, when, as we said, we should have lost it. The team missing two penalties, hit the post, hit the bar. That missed miss, the, 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 miss the Ronnie Rosenthal opening goal. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, no, unbelievable. Like, like, unbelievable. Like, how everything could go right in that game. And uh, and if you can't build on that, then you can't build on anything. Because as players, you're thinking, hang on, we've got that. Now yeah. let's let's look forward to Reading at home. I think as well, I mean, a bit of credit to the team because they were under man. No natural left back in the side. You know, Henry, you know, Henry's probably third or fourth choice centre midfielder now behind the Polish boy and, and Cousins. And, you know, Washington's not a natural winger. But I thought Washington they, they, did, they did really well. He said all right. But, they, you know, they dug in and they showed more passion and desire and courage than they have done... I think Certainly it was, last year, that Friday night debacle when they were just, just embarrassing. That was a disgrace. I had to get drunk to forget it. Embarrassing. <laughs> I woke yeah. up early to watch that in an Irish pub in Chicago. Wish I never. Uh, yeah. That'll be your first time with it. 
No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's different reasons. The thing is, I, I, I kind of looked at it Saturday and I, I kind of do feel that it's, it, it could be corner turning, it could be one of them things as well. But the one thing that impressed me most was the fact that the heads didn't drop and they kept going and mm. they were missing chance after chance. Listen, they play, it makes it so sweet, though. They played us off the park at times and the little one who's stinky football, everything else they did. That miss is one of the best misses that I've mm. ever seen yeah. in my life. Um, and the, the, for Connor to get his first goal, I thought was the best shift he's put in, in a QPR shirt. To me, he's not a natural striker. I know thinks I'm biased because I'm Northern Irish, but I don't think he is a natural striker. I think we still need that. But get more results, beat Reading next week. And I suppose what we've got to do is quickly talk about the Telegraph. I mean, we can't ignore it. We have, mm. We've got to address it. Well, I went before, I mean, this sort of leads on to that, really, but I, I think it was a sort of pivotal game for Jimmy, as, as, as you said, Birch. I mean, if, if we'd have got stuffed again there, then it was just waiting for the fans to turn. I mean, I, I, all in all, I thought the fans gave a, a, a good support and he didn't get any... Bit. I heard um, uh, a, a, there was a few charting from, I think, Fulham fans and then... Um, I, I did see some, some stuff in the QPR end. Uh, I thought it was a QPR. I said Jimmy's a liar to the tune of Will Griggs on fire, but I, I, I think it was from our end. But again, that might. <laughs> I have just been had Fulham. the gritty really so-and-so one. Yeah, yeah, that that was definitely from Fulham. Oh, um, God, yeah. But I heard I heard it just briefly for about ten seconds. But I think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank sort of went for it in that game. I think he almost mm. knew that get, doing a conservative, sitting back and losing two 0 is not going to appease anyone. It was almost like shit or bust. I've got to I've got to go for this. And and I mean. There for the grace yeah, but of I God. I don't think we did. I just think it turned out like that. With Silla getting a goal at the end and Shapiro come on, who I thought was our best attacking player. Yeah, he made good there. subs, to be fair. The and subs he made were all. We were, but we were still under pressure. Remember, yeah. Scotty Parks had one cleared off the line. They've hit the post. They've hit the bar. Yeah. Like it's not like we just went gung over and went mm. for it. We were sort of like sitting back and they was creating chances and we were sort of countering. And I just think it, the way it turned out, it was just meant to be our game. But we but had there was quite that a lot 15, of... Sorry. Sorry, man. Okay. There was that 15-minute spell before we scored. We kind of... We were the better side. Yeah. Anua should have scored that back post header. Shadipo should have had a penalty. But there what about their, wing, their wingers missing header from five Yeah, yards absolutely. But he was good. He was very impressive. What, there, I'm, there what I was trying to say was it, was, it was... I mean, they definitely should have scored more than us. But for all the waves they were having come, coming forward, we were having quite a few as well. We weren't We weren't just, like, sitting back. But we forget, they're not a great team. They got beat no. with it 3-0 before by Bristol City. Yeah, but and then on that game, they had 22 shots as well. So they're obviously creating a lot of chances against teams. We've got, we've got back to, to the Telegraph story. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> we, yeah, we need to... Address. My... Initial reaction, as everyone knows on Twitter, was kind of like, that's it, he's, he's, he's got to go because he's on video. But I have to say, Lee Hughes absolutely played a blind on what he did, asking for the tips, asking for everything for the Diddy Telegraph, knowing it's not a court of law, knowing he, he wasn't going to get it. Absolute masterstroke. And that is the difference between having a decent CEO who saved. If Jimmy Floyd has a bank, goes on the better things, he owes, Jimmy, uh, he owes Lee Hughes a massive drink, I tell you, because he. Did step in. You can't say that. Did, did it's libel, no? <laughs> a massive drink. Of water. Um, <laughs> and um, a slap in the back. No, but it was well, and that's the difference now. I think we have got a proper CEO who, who can see a situation and argue it legally and based on fact. And therefore, no story from the Telegraph. And we go and beat Fulham. There you go. It's crazy to think for all those years we didn't have a CEO when Mark Devlin was shoved out by Palladini. No. We had no CEO. Who was one of What was Phil Beard? Uh, can I, know, what, I, I know what he was yeah. like, I know who he is but what was his title he was CEO well he was yeah. that but, but I mean he's he, sort of his, his, playing his golf with Joey Barton I think was his biggest his background's in retail I mean I think he was basically overseen 
uh, sorry, brought in to oversee this new stadium project, which obviously hasn't actually got. A I'm yet. Warren Farm. Any news on that? Is that? Well, well, the thing is, I think. I mean. I'm biased because I've got to declare I do know Devil, so I can't really say mm. he was a good CEO or not because people say I'm biased. But he's done well at Brentford. He, yeah, mm. and Mark's a you know terrific. <laughs> sorry, I can't read them. He's yeah, terrific, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. uh, Norman Mammoth bother. Yeah, <laughs> but he's 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 a, he's a QPR lad. He stood the terraces beside us. Yeah, known him for a long time. Decent fella. Worked his arse off, and Paldini just absolutely. Did the wrong thing, and but then Paddy did many wrong things, and um, he even banned me for a while. But never mind. But there you go. We move on. What I'm saying is that that was a good move by the club, mm. and uh, fair play to Lee Hughes. Um, Jimmy, don't be so silly in the future. Um, I'm, it's not even that one though. Do you know what I'm annoyed about more than anything? I just knew we'd be in it. Do you know what it came? I'm guaranteed. Out? I, said I, I just yeah, knew I said it. it we would be in it somewhere along the line. But I, I think, wasn't why always us. But why always us? Yeah. Why do we always fall for these stupid bloody stings? You know. Because someone can we not just advise? You know, it's just ah, oh, stop we, we it. Keep, you know, we're never in the news for good football. It's no. never football. No. When we're never in the news. You just get used to it. Even the season one promotion, it was all based on will they yeah, go up? Won't they go up? And everything yeah, else. Everybody gets used to it. That's what we are. I think. I think Jesus hits us sometimes. Yeah. It's not right. But we've, he, we've been known as what's known as always been a spiv club. We've always been ducking and diving. No, but we from have Gregory. from Gregory. Yeah. From Gregory. Yeah. Then we had Ballstroke for a bit. He died mysteriously. That got swept under the car. Well, it wasn't we're, mysteriously, was it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it says mysteriously, and with the roof covering Loftus Road, and then it's just all. We've always been it. We're used to it. Well, Ballstroke was a strange one because when he first came, of course, it was a Marlow Estates, mm. Willem Park Rangers. Yeah. And then, he, just as he was coming on board, um, I hesitate to say that, um, <laughs> and he actually was getting involved more with QPR. Yeah. He was actually getting it. Mm. And then, of course, it all went wrong, tragically. And then Richard Thompson came in, who I think was just... His dad was... Too naive. He was too naive. Yeah. He just got and taken his, advantage of. His dad was getting in. You know, and then we sacked, stupidly sacked Jerry at the rock, completely wrong time. And um, I know people, some people weren't fans of Jerry, but I just think that was a stupid decision. And it took us decades to recover from that, in my humble opinion. And um, I think we're still a long way from the finished article. This is still a team that needs a lot of progression, needs a lot of things done behind the scenes properly. But winning at Fulham is a great monkey to get off your back, as I said earlier on. I mean, does anyone remember the last time you beat them? No, I'm far too young for that, mate. We beat I thought you home. might be No, I mean at Craven Cottage, sorry. No. No, we beat them 1980. Yeah, it was 1980. And I, I think I did a tweet, pretenders were at number one with brass in pocket. And um, the Cold War is over. I the Berlin Wall's down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but to them it means a lot. I mean, you forget how much it meant to them that they had to bring their clappers. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, but it was like when Brentford beat us. It was. It's like when we beat Chelsea. It's a, it's a, I, it's a yeah. circle of life as it goes in West London. Do Do you remember we had a chat? We're not just saying this. But after we beat Brentford, you scored that score. Didn't you stop for petrol at Brentford a couple of days afterwards and had a bit of an altercation? No, I that was a. I think that was the season after. Like, All right. I used to get abused by Brentford fans. And I used to, I've never said a bad word against Brentford. I actually <laughs> like Brentford. So, like, uh, one of my relatives is Phil, Old, Phil Older, who was assistant oh, yeah. to Steve Perriman. So, as youngsters, if QPR was too far away and we couldn't get there, we used to go to Brentford and watch Brentford. And I never... The first time I knew there was any sort of rivalry between Brentford and QPR was when I played for Mill when we played Brentford on the telly Friday night. And as I was playing... They were singing stand up if you hate Rangers and all the other Mill players. No, I'm a Rangers fan. They're giving it, what's all this? What's all this? <laughs> I ain't got a clue. I didn't know they hated us. And it was only from then that it, then I scored in the first game. My first ever goal was against Brentford. Then I scored there. 
then my only other goal for Yeovil was at uh, Brentford and I got up and sang in front of them come on your arse when I scored so I was getting <laughs> spat at and thrown stuff and he's come on your arse super hoops as I was standing in front of them they were pelting me with everything so yeah they even like Rowley thanked me because when Rowley's big comeback game was at Brentford and they hated him they hated him for about five minutes and then they started on me it took the pressure right off him <laughs> that, that, that was some goal you scored though to be fair yeah, yeah. It, it probably weren't my best goal but it was the best goal as it because Ian Hume was at Tranmere and he, mm. of course I played with him for Canada and like after every game we're coming for you we're coming for you okay whatever no problem but it was just before the corner that someone said one of the QPR fans giving it they're winning they're winning and we had to win to keep in front of them and literally we took the corner Gino shanked the life out of the corner he's meant to whip it in under the crossbar he shanked it company heads box of me hit it and it went in and then the famous John Byrne shirt come out uh, yeah, yeah. Le- legend. John no, the Byrne. first the first goal, Brentford. I took my top off. It was meant to say Burn on it, but Cat the Kit Man got it wrong and put my own name on it. The oh. donut. My, my, my own personal favourite was um, Birchams at Chelsea. Yeah, that yeah. was a, that was classic. But the other thing is, I, I couldn't get and that the, was FA, the one under the Canada top, wasn't it? No, uh, I always used to wear QR one under the Canada top. Uh, sometimes under the Mill top, I used to have a white t shirt that just had a QR badge yeah. on it. I used to wear, but. Yeah, Canada asked me not to wear the QPR top underneath the Canada top, and I just went, no, I, I, good luck, I have to wear it. But You're talking to the mill, I mean, that was probably one of the best... Um, uh, Birdshot on his head. Pro- yeah, pro- yeah. Pro- yeah. Birdshot on his line on, line on his arm. I mean, I, Did you hear I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean... Obviously, you're going to have a different perspective on this, but uh, I mean, no one likes Millwall that much. But their fans, you've got to say, as away fans, when they come to Loftus Road, mm. they always flock, pack it out, and they always give back good support. Yeah, look, team. I... Mill's close to my heart because I, I grew up yeah, in the yeah. youth team went yeah, back yeah. there and I won't have a bad word said against the fans because they do get a lot of stick and yeah. like any time there's any sort of they step out of line they get hammered for it but yeah that was that game was Tuesday night packed away and, and it was the first time I played against Wisey who's been a, a family long friend and uh, that was the first game I played against him and he topped me in the first five minutes and he hurt me yeah. and I was like no problem no, because you got to book him for it and yeah. I managed to get him back later right down to Achilles so I was yeah. angry that but with the Millwall fans singing like he's got Birchett and he's in a line on his arm that is probably the nicest they can beat you yeah yeah and it weren't until after the game that I said yeah it was great they clapped me afterwards and then the the home game at the Den that's when they went a bit nasty on oh, me was it? Yeah, oh yeah I yeah. didn't go to that one yeah no it was nice no, it was, it was a- nice of them yeah yeah, you, you're the favourite subject for at least 20 minutes non-stop. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, but, but, yeah, you're great and... But I agree, I It's when they stop singing about you, you want to worry. Yeah, I exactly, mean, It's yeah. almost like, a, you know... But to be fair, I know quite a few Millwall fans and from the floor market and, that, and other people and their sounds are pwned. Yeah, so what's it like with a group of players and you know your manager's on the back page or the front page, he's under pressure, under what? All depends if you want him out or not, I yeah. suppose. There's been, I know, other teams where managers have been under pressure and they know if they lost one more game and they happened to lose it and they've gone, but then it works the other way. When we knew Holloway was under pressure, I was, me and shit was injured all pre-season. That was in the Championship when Ramon Diaz, some bloke... Yeah. When, when you get a name pulled out of nowhere, you know he's in charge for a job and I think we had one more game. And I think me and Danny hadn't... We'd been out six, seven weeks. Danny was with his knee. Me, I had my ankle ligaments. And Ollie's like, we need you to play this weekend. He thinks this is his last game. We had Plymouth at home. We hadn't won in the championship, so we'd been, like, been up. 
And he said, look, I think it's my last game if we don't win. And then we played, we beat them 3-2, then we beat Brighton 3-2, then we beat Leicester 3-2. And we went on the run and we won seven games on the trot, finishing with Stoke away, that famous, another famous game. Ah. When there's a massive fight in the tunnel with one of your fellow countrymen. But... Uh, Bollock naked, I heard. No, he had a towel around him. All right, okay. And flip-flops, that was all right. Uh, we can go on that afterwards. But, <laughs> but as you said, it all depends on... Again, and a lot of the time, man, nowadays it's different because managers are always under pressure. You've seen Di Matteo's had 11 games, he's out. So you hear rumours. But if you're a good team and good players, you just get on with it and you want to win games. And it's very rarely nowadays with the modern footballer that you could get good teams and you get a good core to the team where it polices itself and they want to win. And that, that's what we had when we got promoted. I think we had a... Holloway didn't really have to manage the dressing room. We managed it all ourselves. We policed it all ourselves. He could be the good guy. Like we was doing the fines. We was we was on at everyone. Where, and that's with the good teams. You speak to anyone, especially in the championship. It's different in the Premier League. It's different, but in the championship, the teams that go, go up have a good team spirit and they have a good backbone and core to the team. And normally, it's British. Not too many foreigners in the team. That's no disrespect to foreign players because there's fantastic foreign players. But if you get a core to the team that, that does well and good team spirit, mostly British, then then you do well. That's my worry. With you see the way the team's going at the minute, we're getting quite quite a few foreign players coming in. It never really works in the championship. I've not I've not can't remember a team where it has worked really. But do you, I mean, there's been. Um Accusations, but there's just been people saying there's not enough leaders on the pitch. And uh, I mean, have you seen QPR? Have you seen that? There's not a lot. Of yeah, that's, that's going modern on. day football, though. Like yeah. when I was at QPR, we when I was at QPR towards the end, when I was at QPR coaching towards the end of it, like when we went up again, Neil Warner, he was good like that. He, he believed in that, getting a good backbone. Clint Hill, Sean Derry, even. That you look throughout the team, Jamie Mackey, uh, Joey Barton. There's a there's a backbone of British players. Paddy yeah. Kenny, goalie. It's they know what the championship's about, and every game they want to win. And when you say modern day leaders and the thing, and I think the academy system's got a big thing to do with that as creating characters. Luckily, I was involved with Steve when we was a centre of excellence, and it was a proper youth team, and we we produced some good players there. But it was still doing your job, still. You could still talk to them in a, in a manner like they're adults. But these new academy systems, they're all coached the same. They're yeah. all, all being coached the same. They're all being taught the same. They're all being... Like, when we was at QPR, we run the whole academy on around about 300 grand. I think they're spending about 3 million now a year. Yeah. And they've got sports scientists. They've got... Uh, they're going for uh, psychological tests and they're being pampered here and there. They're not being treated as men. And I think in every academy that you're going to see in another five years it's going to be even worse where they've been given everything so young and they're not being characters being made and I think mm. we, we see that we, 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 in another five years we'll be saying this even more when it comes to the national team because it'll be this next generation of Cat 1 and Cat 2 academies what was the inside story if you can say it on Sterling I mean what, what actually happened there no yeah, but I was there the, the story was we got it was a million pound cube I got offered for a 16 year old who realistic he didn't want to he didn't want to leave but he did he loved it at QPR. he loved it with Steve he loved it with us at the at his local club he loved just playing football and all really mm. wanted to I remember him crying just before he wanted because he didn't want to go but then because of his agent and it's Liverpool it's not like the next in line was Fulham who bid 250 grand 
and he could have gone to Fulham for 250 grand. It's only that Liverpool done it properly with QPR putting a proper bid. It's a million pound plus the 15% sell-on. Technically, because he was only a 16-year-old, we offered him a pro, and to be fair, Gianni offered him the best deal I've ever seen a young pro get. It was a proper offer. And look, he decided to go to Liverpool. He didn't go to Fulham, he didn't go to Chelsea. He went to Liverpool, and he's kicked on. But yeah, the club couldn't have done it anymore. We had him training with Jim McJorton in the first team, even when he was 15, and a fantastic young player. And he's had some troubled times. He's, he's, he's from Wembley, he's from Stonebridge, and once you get... You get Forget about the money. You look at our training ground and you look at our game system that we had. We're in our league was Aldershot, Colchester, Stevenage, Brentford. Liverpool are in like they're in Europe in their, their youth teams and you look at Melwood, the training facilities they got is look, the young lad went there, we got good money for him, we ended up getting really good money for him because we got fifty percent sell on. So mm. that was the story behind it. Nothing much. Liverpool done it properly, they put in a really good bid. As I said, we could the next bid was Fulham for two hundred and fifty grand. Now that would hurt if he went yeah, there. Yeah, so we was making sure that he went to Liverpool. Yeah, uh, Jim McJorton, you mentioned him there. I mean, we we were playing some good stuff under him. Best we? football I've seen at Rangers since I was only young, but Terry Venable days. Really, yeah. that was the best football I'd ever. I remember we beat Middlesbrough at home five one. It could have been eight. Yeah, and that was. We're talking. We're doing it with players like Rowan Viner, Patrick Agyeman. We're not talking about. Uh, we're not talking about Premier League players. Yeah, yeah. There, we was doing it with them, and I thought he was so unlucky. I know. I thought Jim was so unlucky. I thought he's a really, really good bloke. John Gorman. They, they got the place buzzing, but being Northern Irish, he had a bit of a hot head on. Him, <laughs> to be fair, and he did, he did lose it quite a few times. Yeah, but. Yeah. that affected us for a bit yeah, that yeah. if we'd have left Jim Majorton in there we'd, we'd have done alright yeah. lucky Neil Warnock come along and, and pulled us up but yeah I loved Jim and that was the best football I remember us playing since Terry Venables really and did it affect Akos as well though, after that um... no he's got a massive head you could have <laughs> you could have run a car on that head it wouldn't have felt it that's, that's what look so were the players disappointed when he got the push then Majorton like most clubs some players are disappointed some players are happy the subs are buzzing yeah but <laughs> but it was no headbutt I was there it was a it was a head to head yeah and you've seen Akos's head he could take a, he could take a Range Rover to that head it'd be fine but what didn't help is that he's back to and at Watford the yeah. press room is right outside the dressing room yeah. so then it, and then that it just snowballed but, it, but to be fair I don't mind Akos because he got me and Steve our only game in charge at QBR <laughs> oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like after yeah. West Brom. I'm beaten. Yeah. How did how did um how did that feel? Well, the cameras like scanning you all the time. I nah. presume playing. You get you this. You don't notice it's there. So was it? I mean, that's weird because you, you know you QPR fan, yep. QPR player, managing the team. Was it one of those? If it's late in there and God takes me, I, it, it, it can happen. Oh yeah, I retired at a young age and people, like I just. Was it just before I was 31 or when I was 31? I was quite young for a player. Mm. How do you feel bad about it? And I, I got to play for QBR. That was all I ever wanted to do. Like, uh, As I said, the amount of, I didn't play in the Premier League. I had chances to go to clubs to play in the Premier League and I didn't. And I don't regret it one bit. Now, the only time, when I signed for QPR, my only hang-up was, what about if it don't go well? Would my love affair with QPR not be as strong? And it turned out it was the best decision I ever made because I ended up coaching them, as I said, managed them for one game. And the, when people say they're fans of clubs or they support clubs, 
there's a difference. I was a fan. We, me and my brother were fanatics. Like we used to argue, we test each other what minute of the game it went in against Sheffield Wednesday away on the bus mm. at school. And we had we had lampshades, bed covers, curtains, every kit that's ever gone out. We still got the kits. I passed them on to my kids. And to be fair, my little girl wore my 1982. Uh, cup final top to the player final when Bobby Zamora scored him. So, like, little things like that, it's, it's brilliant. And my all every Bertram is a QPR fan. There's like nothing in between. Like all my cousins, 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 kids, all of them, all QPR fans. So, it was all you ever wanted to do. I'm kind of jealous. No, I am. I'm probably the, the luckiest fan out there. That's how I describe it. I was a fan that got to play for a club, and it was, and it. it I tell you when it hit me, when I first see myself in the program, because I was one of them kids that used to pay to get your head put on a head put on someone in shoe when you're in a QPR yeah, 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 yeah. And it was only when I played the first game. I think it was Celtic we played in pre-season. So then I was on the first game cover against Chesterfield. And I was like, I'm in a QPR kit here. And then like, when I used to go out training, I'm thinking, I'm getting this for free. I used to pay for this. <laughs> But, but it's just little things like that. I know it, it sounds a bit corny, but it's true. Like I'm getting it all Nothing free. Corny about it, My man. brother was buzzing because I used to get him so much free stuff. <laughs> that, but it was and like just getting tickets and all the family coming to the game. It's like, but I've missed. Like I said, Saturday was brilliant because I've missed not going to the game as a fan. Normally, mm. I've been in football. I've been at either a coach at QBR, so I can't go too mad, or I've been at assistant manager at Mill. So even though I did go mad at Wembley when I was assistant manager at Mill, some people had to go at me for it. But uh, it's, the, it's the first time I'm really going to a game where I've, I can, I'm just a fan, like not involved in English football, and I can just go there and enjoy it with my kids. And it's brilliant. Ian, you didn't let me go to ask the question. <laughs> no. All right. Well, Wait. I was going to ask one. I was gonna, just to the current team. I know, you, you, like you said, you, you haven't been as much as you'd like to. But in terms of centre midfield, who, which pairing would you have in there of the, all, all the ones we've got? I mean, obviously uh, through injuries, we had to, you know, we, Ariel Borosiuk, whatever his name is, couldn't play the other day, um, and Cousins is injured. But I, I, in a, in a, if, if we had everyone fit across the midfield, who would you have in there? I think if you brought, you've brought Cousins and he's, he's he's a young enough player, I would play him because. I've seen him at Charlton and I liked him. He's a good box-to-box player, a good number eight that, that can get up and down. I do think we need to buy a holding midfielder uh, who can also pass and get forward. I think that would be missing. You wouldn't have Sandro in there then? <laughs> a few no, fans calling for him on Saturday. I, it's hard because I, yeah, a fan, because when they was calling and clapping for Sandro and I was just standing there, I'm like, why are you not clapping for him? I went, well, I'm only going to clap for someone that's actually done something for the club mm. and I know he scored a goal in the Carling Cup or whatever he's called now <laughs> or, or, or Tampon Cup or whatever yeah, he's yeah. and he scored a few goals but that's he's been here a few years and he's been paid a, a fair bit of money not to do much so would I call for him? Not really January's coming up so he could well be fit What do you think of the Luongo the way he's played because he is yeah, he uh, is naturally an attacking kind of midfielder and he sort of changed his game Maso's hard because I see him and I think he's a good player and he's good on the ball but as a midfielder I want to know what you do and I think he's a great if you play for him midfield mm. you have a holder maybe an attacking midfielder and then him as well but in a 4-4-2 as you can see Saturday you can get opened up even if you've just got one sitting in there which is Cole Emery and then Massimo's up there and because uh, I think that's what they, I think they started that against 
black Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah, Borisek, Madison, cousins and cousins got injured. Yeah, it's, it's hard because I the way we are, I, I love QBR. I love QBR at home as a 4 4 2. It's not a big pitch. If you can get wingers and you get two centre forwards in there, look, as soon as you lose the ball, one of the centre forwards drops into midfield, so it's like a 4 3 3. But we've always done well with if you get two wingers in there. And, and you use the width and get across it. I do like to see that, but we, as we said, we've not got too many forwards. So it's hard to play two centre forwards if you've not got... Two. I think Port is a, a good target, man, and it'd be a fantastic sub. And if you're going to do winning the championship, it'd be great if he could come off the bench. But I don't see him as a 15 to 16 goal centre forward season man and I'm wondering if he was brought for that I mean we do lack that perhaps that'll be addressed in January but I suppose the club would say this season's about consolidation finishing mid-table and then building from that for the, next the hardest season. things to get a good centre forward mm. that's the hardest thing about it's it it's tricky in this league isn't it the thing is, cost you money when, you, when you've got uh, people like McCormack going for I can't remember what he went for but I mean silly money to uh, Newcastle uh, which, which one did he go Villa or Newcastle? Dwight Gow, Dwight Gow, which was right, great, yeah. but I went to Newcastle. Um, and well, but look, what, look what's that? What's happened to Villa? I mean, they've uh, they've already sacked their manager, and that's yeah, but that sort of money is ridiculous. If you're going to sort of shop in the bargain, yeah, didn't they buy some from Bristol City for fifteen million as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think to be fair, Poulter, when you think of what he was like when he first came here, yeah. he's improved mm. a hell of a lot. But you're right, he's not a natural finisher. I don't think he would say that as for well. For Porter to do well, you have to get wingers putting crosses in. If he's yes. not getting crosses, it's pointless in being out there because he can flick it on, but if he's one up front, he's flicking it on to no one. Yeah. So if he plays, you need wingers to get crosses in the box and then he'll get goals, which is great. Which Nearly every team does when they're losing. They bring a big man on and they try and go for it, but... And I was saying that he did smash the hell out of the Fulham defence one by one on Saturday. Yeah. He he's took a very honest it, player. It, you know, oh, yeah. Center half, I keep you honest. But I mean, the thing... He's, right. he's a hard player to dislike. Oh, I, I would know. I'll take him all day, every day. But if you're going to be successful in the championship, mm. he can't be your starting centre-forward. Really. What about Silla, though? I mean, could, could he be the starting centre-forward? I know forward? he's got the longest neck in football. Yeah. Have you seen it? It's yeah. massive. Yeah. That's probably why he got that header Saturday. Normal people wouldn't have got there. But, yeah. but the, the argument Hasselbank has about not playing 4-4-2 is that you can't play Cherry then. That's what Hasselbank came when he, he likes, came on this podcast. He likes Cherry playing in that hole. Oh, yeah. Like, Cherry's that. a problem to the team for me. If he's not doing an Adele and scoring and, yeah. and assisting, like he set up a goal yeah. the, the weekend, he set up the winner, brilliant, you can have him in there. But the pressure's on him to keep doing mm. that. Yeah. It was like Adele. Adele, when we got promoted, what did he score? 20, he set up 22. Yeah, yeah. And then when, when I always said, when we were going to Premier League, he's going to be a problem because we have half amount of possession and he's a waste of space if you ain't got the ball. So, he, on, on Saturday he did turn up their defence a few times is that was lovely when he got the ball down and, and trapped it and took two of their players out sorry but I mean no but he, yeah, I know if, what you if mean he's though. our best player which he is he's got a score and set up goals mm. and if he don't really you're building your formation and team around him he's got to be good enough to build your formation and team around and he's not I mean one thing he doesn't do he doesn't really get involved in tracking back and stuff which also uh, he also, doesn't enjoy the defensive side of the game no it. so if you put him out wide then your full backs are 2v1 whichever but, side you put him on but that also you know that also sort of um, doesn't help with I mean that, that was the thing there was just wave and wave of attacks just coming straight through us I mean it didn't help with Corker sort of going for a wander um, the, the, the centre backs seemed like a million miles away from each other um, uh, I don't know, they, we, we, we've got lucky really, we got out of jail I think on Saturday. But what happens when you lose 6-0 and you're 
you get nervous as a defence. I don't yeah. care what you say. Yeah. For the next couple yeah. of weeks, you do get a, you're a bit punch drunk and yeah. you're just hoping that nothing happens instead of being confident nothing's going to happen. Yeah, and that oh, that's a fair point. And that happens and it affects you as a defender. If you've been beat 6-0 at home, I remember I think I'd done talk sport and they went, do you think it was a bit harsh to result because you have 50% possession? No, when we were bound to, we kicked off seven times. That's got to be about 15%. <laughs> we had 19 goal kicks. There, there you go. That's, that's another 20%. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but it's when you lose 6 0 at home and it could have been 10, you're yeah. going to be a bit wary as a yeah. defender. And so hopefully we can get a few. You, all you need is a couple of results and then that's forgotten about. Do you know what we have to talk about? You know what I'm going to bring up next, don't you? Probably right. one of the worst results in our history. Ah. Uh. Uh, Chelsea? No, no, no. 6-1, I remember... I'm talking about an FA Cup game. I love this road. Oh, Fox and Motors. Yeah, Yeah. I mean... Well, because to us, we scored early, Thompson put it in, we thought we were just going to coast the game, and no one's seen that coming. I mean, the the first game was like, just nothing. I mean... It was a gal force wind up there, wasn't it? It was a a wee bit windy, like, to be fair. Well, the home game, I just... I, don't, I just play quite well. No. Did you take a penalty? What's that? Did you take a penalty in the shootout? I was the next one to be taken, but we already went out. But Fraser Digsby got, I think he got released before the game. That's not a great tactic. Let's be honest. If you're, released, you're serious. If you're releasing the key, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not great. I don't know who done it, but yeah, he got told before the game he, he weren't getting, he weren't staying you're on kidding. and he can get another cup. No, if you looked at him, he never, he went after the game. Jesus, yeah, I remember and, that. And we scored and we went through. But again, that was probably the best thing that could have happened to us. In what respect? Because uh, we went on to get the playoff final. Well, so. if you look at our results after that, they kicked on. Brentford, we was it one on, and then mm. we, and we we started building there. And then the other good result we had, we lost 4 0 at home to Cardiff, mm. which, <laughs> which should have never been 4 0. I mean, Brett Angel missed three sitters in the first half. We battered them first half. And then we lost 4-0. And after that game, we kicked on. Yeah, that's true, actually. There was, there was three results that season, I remember. That was brilliant for us. Vauxhall Motors, which is terrible, but there was Cardiff at home and the, the other one was the Auto Tampon Cup away at Southend. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I was there for that. Where well. we was patched up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a team, Like we were playing Saturday, Tuesday, so patched up. We didn't have a big squad. Who was in goal that day? Wasn't he... I don't know, no one, I don't think. I think they had four <laughs> shots. 4-0, okay. 3-0, was it 3 or 4? Four, four, I think, 4-0, yeah. I, but, I covered that. And then, we we was after the game giving it thank fuck. As a team, because we knew we would kick on, but we're thinking, thank fuck, we ain't got, an, we ain't got a, two-leg area, a two-leg area final and we ain't got the final to take our mm. mind off getting up. I know... It didn't work out because we didn't go up in the final, but we should have. We was the better team in the final. But there's results in the season that can kick you up the arse and kick you on. And hopefully, you look at it, the Newcastle 6-0 might be a blessing in the skies, and especially this Fulham 2-1 might be the inspiration we need, especially with the Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And mm. if he can galvanise the team and the team can get round it, like we, we had under Holloway, there's a couple of things that happened with Holloway and the team got round him and we kicked on. Mm. You never know. Well, the thing with Hasselbank, I think I know we sort of mentioned it, and I know there's not a lot we can say because it's legal case pending and stuff. But um, and and I thought the same as you, Paul. And initial thought was all there's, there's no legal case pending. It won't go to court. Well, well, uh, well uh, what, there, there's no the investigation stopped. It's now a dead end. 
Right. Okay. But it don't matter. Yeah. Once, once you what get I'm slung at your people, you know. The only thing I was sort of, and I, like I say, I mean, yeah, he was naive. Maybe it was, it was, it was a bit daft. You know, he did this. You know, fifty five gram, gram for the speech when we're sort of in the mire, and you know, I had to have a double take it. I thought he actually had his QPR club blazer on when it was in the Telegraph. Oh, yeah. I had the quick look because, it, but it was the white flower when he was sitting uh, on the table. I thought he ain't gone to the meeting <laughs> in the yeah, blazer. Yeah. But my only thought is that if, I mean, hopefully, like you say, we're with three games unbeaten now, which is something to build on. But if things do go back the way they were, if they do back him and he stays the manager, you'd almost feel like, well, we can't like be too quickly in sacking him now. Now we've stood by him. So then, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't think the Telegraph story will have any bearing now. I mean, they've, they've had the pound of flesh. They got rid of the England manager. Yeah. The, the, the Barnsley guys hit the In last. no other country would it happen. No. In no other country, you can see. Can you see Spain or Germany or Italy going after their manager after one game? What they would have done would have sat on it for six months. That's a fair and, point. And actually. if he has one, they would have brought the story out on Sam Allardyce. In no other country would it have happened. Yeah. No, no, and I spoke to other people, other players from other countries. They would have never gone after the manager after he's just after you've just had the worst two tournaments in your country's history, nearly. To then you get a New England manager to then go for him after he's had one game and then set us back even more. So the Telegraph is doing the country no good because we've lost our England manager. Okay, he said he'd do a talk for 50, whatever he said, 400 grand and be a consultant. In the grand scheme of things, does that really matter? Like, just hold on to it. And if he does, it was a win-win for us. Hold on to it. If he does well, then scrap the story. I know the Telegraph don't get the name out there, but if he does bad, then release it. Like, that's what would have happened in any other country. I, as a foreigner, um, I, I've always felt that your um, your national team has always been let down by your press. There's probably Robson's days, but that's a personal opinion. I have no right to say that because I support Northern Ireland. No, so, we've been let down by the players multitude of times recent years. The last two World Cups, well, sorry, the World Cup and the European Championships we've just had. We were purely let down by the players. There's no, there's no managers. There's no press. There's, you can't expect. You see Iceland and you see that game. You can't expect the players to play like that. Not be out of passable. Mm. Wayne Rooney not being able to control and passable in a game against Iceland. That don't matter what formation you play. Don't matter what tactics you do. That's purely players. And I've been on the other side of the fence where I'm the coach in the game where it's not going right. And you've worked on defence. I remember one game at Mill, we worked on defence. Yeah, we're going to do this. We worked all week on it, all week. We're 2 0 down after five minutes because two defenders have made mistakes. And you think, what's the fucking point of there's that? There's no way in the world they would have prepared for that game not no, working on long throws. They, they wouldn't have done they, They've talked about it. They've worked on it. They, yeah. It's impossible. They've done that. And as you, I think Gary Neville done a great interview. He said, what can you do? You've qualified the fastest and been the best team in Europe in qualification. You go there, you're unlucky against Russia, then you have the Iceland. Like, even Slovakia weren't that bad. They just defended and we couldn't break them down. If we'd have got one, we'd have got three or four. Yeah. It was, you have them games. But the Iceland game was woeful. And that's just purely players. I know I've gone off tangent there. No, no, but um, talk to the Nationals. You scored once, didn't you? Yeah, I scored a couple of times, but only one of them was a registered FIFA game. And where was that then? That was Ireland away. That was the Guinness Book. I'm in the Guinness Book of Records. Uh, Northern Ireland away. Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's just uh, people might pick up on that and say you, you haven't scored in Dublin. Yeah, but I you... played in Dublin. Yeah. I, our one didn't get booked in that game in Dublin. That, that's another story as well. <laughs> because talking about the Ireland game, we played Ireland away and Stephen Reid was a good friend of mine. He was playing for Ireland and I literally paid 
for my dad and my brother and other mates to go out there. The Gallons went out there. The Gallons are booked to go out there. And on the Friday, we played Plymouth at home and it was like a top of the table clash. On the Friday, we're in the circle and I cipher a ball and I'm like, oh, fuck. I think I pulled my groin. And I couldn't move it. And I've gone in to see Prav the physio. I went, Prav, I think I pulled my groin. And he's like, that feeling it. To give it. You pulled it. I went, I can't have pulled it. I've, I've, got, I've got to go Ireland. And he went, you ain't going anywhere. You've pulled your groin. I went, no, 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 no. I ain't pulled it. He went, you just told me you pulled it. No, I was joking. I ain't pulled it. And he's giving it, no, you've pulled your groin. I went, give me a fitness test tomorrow. And I'm thinking, fuck, I've paid all this money for the family <laughs> to go out of Ireland. I might not be going. And, and I went, fuck, we got Plymouth. It's top of the table clash tomorrow. I went, go, I'll be all right. Fit, give me a fitness went, test. Oh, dear. I went, oh, give me a fitness test. And he's going, no, no, no. I went, get the manager in. And Ollie comes in. He's going, what's happened? And Prav gave it, the, but he's pulled his groin out there in the circle. He's like, you done that? I'm like, I didn't do it. I'm just joking. It's all right. It's a, it's a twinge. It's a twinge. And so they're doing all the tests. I've pulled my groin. And I'm going, no, it's fine. I'm like wincing. You're like, and I convinced Ollie to have a fitness test in the morning. So I'm like, I'm Googling what's the best way to get rid of a groin strain. <laughs> so then I've, now I've got painkillers. I'm necking these painkillers like smarties. I'm thinking, it'd be all right. Okay, I've got the, I think the, my fitness test at 12. So the rest of the players are getting out one. Go in there. So I've got a suppository as well. Suppository painkiller, that'll do. So I'm sitting in the toilet going, oh God, lubing it up. Oh, oh there it goes. Anyway. <laughs> a- anyway. Somehow, I've managed to pass the fitness test. <laughs> so that's the first hurdle done. Now I'm going into the game against Phoenix. I'm thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm never going to last this game. I've got a Paul Groin. So anyway, get through it. Manage to play in the game. Do really well. We beat Plymouth 2-0. Now I'm in proper agony after the game. The painkillers are worn off. My brother don't care. We're going to Ireland. It was Canada v. Ireland. So we're out there. Meet up with the team. I go to the manager of Canada. I don't think I can play. I've pulled my groin. He went, shut up. You played 90 minutes yesterday. I went, I don't know. Don't ask me how I've done it. He said, because uh, Colin Miller, he's interim manager, and he's giving it, oh, I need you at play. I'm like, I see what I can give you. I've probably got half in me. So, again, the other suppositories again before the game, lubed up, they've gone up there again. And that was, that was the Graham Cavern game. And I accidentally injured Graham Cavern. That's a long story with Cavern. We're, we're oh, mates now. Is. Yeah, so that was the I game was, there. I wonder what that was about. It was... It was old-fashioned. He tackled me and I tackled him and he come off worse like, later on. I didn't mean to injure him. I meant to tackle him hard. Anyway, so playing in the game and I'm thinking, I can't move. Like, I've got a pull groin. But we're playing and playing. And I got to half-time. I think it was nil-nil against Ireland. At half-time, I said to him, I'm struggling. Yeah, give me 10 minutes. So I'm playing 10 minutes. I'm looking over and he's like, nah, you're right, you're right. Oh, fuck it, I'll try and get sent off then. So... <laughs> 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 so and then I've tackled someone and the ref's giving it like don't do that I've, ta- I've smashed Robbie Keane and then Clinton Morrison was playing oh, I kicked Clinton Morrison every game and he's giving it oh Birch leave me alone Luke stay away from me stay away from me and like, I've, I've booted someone else and he's like not put me I don't, I don't think he even had cards because it was like an international <laughs> friendly then and so I'm looking over to Colin Miller the manager he's going okay off you come and I play and then the next, when I got back we had, <laughs> we had Swindon away 
And I'd done my groin and come off, and Ollie went mad at me. You've been covering that groin up all that time. I went, Ollie, I got your win against Plymouth. Come on. No, yeah. He went, You only done that at Goat Island. I went, Yeah, I did. I spent so much money on tickets and plane tickets. I had to get out of it. Brilliant. That's the best depository story I've uh, ever heard. Definitely. Yeah, the stuff that I used to do to get through games, I swear to God, honestly, there must have been. 50% of my game. Oh no, I'd say about 40% of my games. I've started thinking that I'm never going to complete these games. Blimey. Really? With injuries. Yeah, I played with. I had a fractured foot for QPR for three weeks, yeah. and because I when I first joined QPR, what I got got sent off. But I had three bookings and a send off from like my first four games. Then I come back. Then I played against Bristol City. We was away losing, come on. I twigged my medial, but finished the game we played, and then I was out 10 days on medial. Then I come back, and my glandular fever kicked up again, so I missed start. And I remember playing against Northampton, played, collapsed after the game. And Ollie had glandular fever when he was younger, so he was right on it. I'm going, no, no, I'm all right. And it was just, I was waiting to get it started. So the amount of, I think we played Peterborough at home. It was on telly. It was live on telly. And I remember... I've cleared the ball and I've kicked through and I've kicked Curtis Woodass's foot. Stud. That's so sore. Anyway, carried on playing. I used to, So I'm a size nine and a half, really. So I was wearing a size 11 boot on my left foot. Because it's my left foot, I could get away with it. Like a massive pad on it. But I wouldn't go see the physio for like two, three weeks. And then... I think it might... I'm trying to think. And then we had a spare week for some reason. I don't know. It was called off. Probably the fourth round of the FA Cup. We normally got that. <laughs> so it was like, it was the well, FA Cup. So that's when I went to, I've limped in after. I've played about three or four games. I've gone into the physio, Prav, and go, but Prav, like, my foot's hurting a bit. He said, when did you do it? I went, about three, four weeks ago. And he went, well, you just get up here and looked at it. Sent me for an x-ray. Yeah, and I had a hairline fracture on my Jesus. foot. Blimey hell, you're the wow. Stuart Pearce of so, QPR, mate. Suppositories, again, yeah. gets you through. So if any young players out there learn about suppositories, they, they get you through it. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of the <laughs> podcast. Otherwise, I could, I could actually... Mark, when are you next back in the UK? I'm here for another two weeks and then I'm back on the 6th of December for a month so Brilliant. we're booking you for we'll now you can book me in we'll have you in again maybe get you and Kev together yeah, yeah. I haven't got any stories. suppository questions exactly so send them in now oh, I've done it myself I've done it myself so no one helped me that's yeah. <laughs> right so you say <laughs> was Jerry Tiger around at the time my mate Jerry Tiger we'll save that for next time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that game that was the you, first time I've ever seen a 22 man brawl in a tunnel yeah was that the Simon Royce game? No, that was the that, that no. was the year after because of that game. Yeah, um, Mark, uh, Mark wasn't too keen to leave the pitch. No, I didn't want to stay on, but the police said if you want to get him out of the stadium alive, you have got to get him off for the final whistle. The police said that. Yeah, that's why I got. That's why I come off. Remember, they want me straight down the tunnel. Jesus, I thought it was a fair enough said enough actually at the time. They spit my lip. Yeah. Remember, there was a picture because Gifton Noel Williams I grew up with is same age at Watford playing against each other. He said, but what are you doing? Why are you trying to get in? Why are you cheating? And I'd, I'd slit that. Yeah. Do you think I bit my lip myself, you idiot? And then a few other words were exchanged and then the rest of the team wanted to kill me, which I, I don't mind if I, I'm, I'm right. And so they were saying, I'll meet you there at half time. And if you watch that game again, when the half time whistle goes, you'll never see two teams and a bench sprint down the tunnel <laughs> as quick as that you That was her. Because you were like, you were kind of hovering around like, I'll go down, I'll go down. And I was saying, I just want to go off. So was there all this big fight going on in the tunnel? As No, I was in there. So if we got time for it, I'll just give you a little taste. Oh, we'll do a quick one. So like, we've gone in. And as I've run in, like, 
Jerry's come out a side door in like a, I did. He was wearing a towel and like, and he swung, and then luckily he's caught. He was a couple of steps up, so he's caught the top of the mohawk, and then I've landed a punch, and then all oh yeah, it's like a roar, and it's rumbling, it's all going off, and all I can remember is like Matty Rose is getting lifted up, hanging on to the Stoke dressing room door, giving it Furs help, <laughs> and then we're punching, and then it was. Yeah, Daryl Russell was a player there, and it just perfectly opened up for me. It was like a clearing in the mist. It, it, it was like everything went slow-mo in the chaos, and I managed to catch an absolute beauty. And then, it's, and then we've got the police have come in, and we've gone in the dressing room, and then Ollie's gave it, what are you fucking idiots doing? Well, I've told you, you've got to keep this crowd quiet. And Birch, you're kicking them off again after five minutes. I'm like, Ollie, he's elbowed me in the mouth. He split my lip. What do you want me to do? I went, I ain't getting bullied. I ain't getting bullied by no one. And he gave it, that's fucking right. We won't get bullied. We ain't getting bullied. And he was godfather to Pulis's kid. Ollie, so he's going, we ain't fucking getting bullied, but I fucking hate bullies. I'll show them bullies he's gone out. And he's gave it, boom, kick the stoke dressing room door open. He's giving it, Tony, you want to fucking bully us? We're fight. If you want to fight, we're fight. He's like, get out of the dressing room. And they'll get that bird from the cheek. We're fight, we're fight. And then he's gone out. And then he's giving it, right, second half, keep the crowd quiet. Fucking fight them, but not too much to keep the crowd quiet. Well, okay, we've come out to the second half. And I... ITV were following us about, so if you look at ITV, they're following us about because we equal the record of wins if if we win. And the cameraman's been like laid out in the. He's, he's got concussion. He's been punched in the tunnel. And I think it was was it Matt Lorenzo or whoever there. So I remember him just shouting at him. Did you get the footage? He's he's he's, he's KO's on the floor. He's sparking. So anyway, as we come out, and I didn't know this till I watched it back afterwards. They get Ian Holloway and he's outside the tunnel. And he's I think it's Matt Smith done it. And he went so Ian. Looked like there was a lot of commotions going on in the tunnel, and like normal managers give it no, it was handbags. He's going, Oh, it's gone right off in there. <laughs> it's gone right off in there, but we've looked after ourselves and we're coming out to win the second half. And like Kev's, like 10 minutes in the second half, ball's gone into Kev, he's put it in and he scored 1 0. So as we're going back to the centre, Adiak Mbai, another story, has come up to me. <laughs> <laughs> like he had these like muscles on muscles you get the traps and then the ultra traps and then they're above the ear he's gave it that one if you win I'm gonna kill you and I'm like oh god I gave it AD every chance if you're up front because you're never gonna score and I'm gonna <laughs> get back to the centre so now he's rearing up killing me and then that was it and so I just play, honestly I just played one and two touch because they were looking to do me and then that was it when Ollie's put my number up the fuck off I ain't coming off he's like <laughs> one of them and then he's, he pulled me off and then the police walked me down the tunnel and I couldn't believe it they, they, someone hit me with a two pound coin no one gave me it's Stoke I, that's a, I didn't know you could afford that I up here Stoke, and I was, telling, I was like cheers keep, keep coming and the police like leave it leave it let's go collecting them in and but then I got a call like on the Monday I got a call who got a call Aaron Brown who knows Adiak in by and that later that week, giving it, he's telling me he's getting done. What's wrong with him? He's sick. He's sick in here. What's wrong with him? I'm like what? And he's giving it birds. Did you send a signed photo to Jerry Taggart and Stoke saying thanks for the three points? See you next year. <laughs> and I'm giving it. No, of course I didn't. They're giving it. Well, someone. So I think a QPR fan out there. If you're out there, someone has sent Stoke <laughs> a signed photo of me 
giving it thanks for the three points. They're like, you've got to ring up and apologise that. And you, I went, no, nah, no, nah. but it's brilliant. Whoever's done it, that's brilliant. But I'm not apologising for that. And then I got a, a letter from a Stoke fan who contacted me on Twitter literally a couple of years ago. He sent me a letter saying I was a disgrace to football. Probably right. Disgrace to football. And I should be ashamed of myself. And he sent a fiver to get me haircut. And I went... So I go, thanks for your letter. I sent one back. Yeah, thanks for your letter. But it's London prices down here. I can't even get my sideburns cut for a fiver. <laughs> so if you want to send another like 30 quid down, I'm more than happy to cut me out. <laughs> and he contacted me on Twitter a couple of years ago. Give me, oh, do you remember me? I was the one that sent the letter. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, Red, we've got to end up. But we, we haven't even talked about the blue and white hair. So next time... Yeah. We're going to bring a list of things we're going to talk about. That this has been a, a I think brilliant the podcast. It's just got to be predictions, and it. We're well. Over. I, I think we're well over, and I can just see Mr. Fraser getting ready to, to phone me in the morning. Well, the blue and white air. We, we talk about it with Kev because it all started about an abs, getting absolutely shit faced in after an army camp in. Where was we? On the other hand, yeah. So that, that, we wait for next time. No, no. Go on. You said it. Now. Go no, on. no. We wait for Kev. It's end up. That's how the blue and white air come about because it was a drunken. We snuck out of the army base in the boot of a car, me and Kev. And I think Tomo was there. Yeah, me, Kev and Tomo, because I just signed for QPR. And me and Kev gave it, look, I've been signed for a week and we've not even had a drink. So we decided, I'll tell you about it next time, because it was the worst day's train, the hardest day's train the next day on an hour's sleep I've ever had. But the blue and white air come from that. Brilliant. It's Brilliant. Great, great to leave it on a cliffhanger, <laughs> mate. Yeah, I tell you December, what. December, everyone's going to be gagging for this. Uh, quick hours in you can have a point and you can have a prediction okay well the prediction I suppose Reading in it Reading at home um, oh, I don't know I, I mean it could be anything but that team that went out the other day depends who's playing I'll say 3-2 QPR um, and yeah the, the, the only hours in was just Poulter's outfit uh, did you see that he, was, he, he tweeted he was going to Barcelona great for the three points heading to Barcelona he was dressed head to toe in this red outfit which someone called um, someone likened to a hot dog Someone said uh, uh, it was Red Riding Hood, and someone else, which I quite like, described it as proper rascal. <laughs> so I'm liking go. it. So yeah. Ian, <clears> by <throat> the way, thanks for coming down. I know that you know you had a busy weekend, and um, how's the hangover? Getting there. Good man. <laughs> Good man. What would you like to say at your hours end? Um, I thought the support actually on Saturday was really good. I find that home games can be a bit. In fairness, I thought the support was good against um, Birmingham. The yep. World game. A lot better, but um, I don't know. I don't. I just don't get his obsession with Sandro. There was a bloke walking out of the game. We just beat him full and two one. And he's moaning because Sandro didn't come on. Hmm. So like, we just be happy. We just enjoy being beating full and for once, and just yeah. And I get that. Getting mean. against Reading. Um, one nil. Ah, good. Before I do mine, Mark, I want you to do yours. Ours then. This will be say predictions and um, a message we'd like to give to anyone, in, any, anyone at all. In anyone at all? Yeah. I've got no. Don't response. thank your family for Christ's sake. We're here for all night. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, a prediction we're reading. I think it's going to. I'm not going. I think it'll be one all. All right. Okay. I think it'll be one all at home. And and, and what do I? No, I just want to thank QPR fans up there Saturday. They were brilliant. Like the first time I've been back for a while, and it was great. And it just makes me proud to be a QPR fan. When we have that many fans away from home, it's, it, there's nothing better. It was a proper old school away, though. Yeah, it was. Hugging strangers and that because I went on my own because my mates didn't go, and I was thinking it's a bloke who'd been going for like sixty years. And I think I hugged most was, of the people in yeah, the uh, Weatherspoons in Hammersmith. Mm. 
Uh, and it, yeah, I mean, yeah, you did actually. Um, it was. Do you know what? It was historic. It was wonderful. It was brilliant. But it was made that way because of the years of suffering that we've had. And as you said earlier on, we talked about Fox and Mudders. We got the playoff final. That's QPR. So my prediction for Reading, and I don't want anyone thinking I'm getting carried away, is seven nil. Right to Reading? No, to us. Oh, yeah. um, I'm not getting carried away in one game. We're going to win the league. We're going to beat Reading seven <laughs> nil. We're going to win. Three rounds of the FA Cup, and Connor Washington's going to take Northern Ireland to the World Cup. This right. has been up in all ours. Mark Burcham, can I just thank you for everything you've been done for pleasure. our football club? Pleasure. You are one of our own, and thank you for wearing this shirt with such pride. You said I was a fan that got lucky, really. That's no, you, you, you're one of our own, Mark. Thank you so much, big man. Cheers. And see you again in December when you get over. This has been up in all ours. Thank you so much for listening. Come back again next week. UPR.